0: We brought you damn good beer and now we're delivering to you damn good beef from Hassel Cattle Company. So damn good, you can now get their Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in New York. That's right, we couldn't resist putting some Hassel Cattle Wagyu beef on our menu. And you can get it at home at H-A-S-S-E-L-L-CattleCompany.com and you can get 10% off your entire purchase with code DNVR10 at checkout every single time. Use code DNVR10. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava CBD Coffee. Going to improve the quality of your morning because it's rich in cbd cbg their cbd infused coffee helps with chronic headaches joint pains and so much more zero coffee jitters and the best part is strava can deliver to your doorstep every two four six or eight weeks whatever and whenever you need now you can get 25 percent off your first purchase when you use code dnvr25 i'm your host patrick lyons and join with me today is our good buddy of the show, Mr. Kevin Henry of Rock's Pile. How you doing today, Kev?
1: Dude, I'm good. I get to hang out with you, talk a little Rockies. So it's not a bad day at all,
0: brother. We've got Rockies news, and we've got big news for you, too. For anyone that's listening to this, you can go on Rock's Pile to read Kevin's article all about how he voted, and we'll talk to him about that here uh, down the line. But let's start with some Rockies news. Jolie's Chassin, probably not too surprising that he came back, but uh, 1.25 million dollars on that one-year deal. Nice to see him back in purple next season.
1: Absolutely, I think if you look at what all he did for the Rockies last year—spot start, you know, short relief when he was needed, long relief when he was needed, and just that that veteran presence, you know—and and I think sometimes that that is so overlooked. Uh, especially whenever you've got a bullpen full of young guys still trying to find their way and everything to see Chasheen come in, be able to do what he did. I I think it's a smart signing. I think so far they they've, the guys they have signed have been smart add backs for the Rockies uh, so far this season. And I think uh, he's definitely a good guy to have back in your pen.
0: Very reliable, very, you know, just a great season, just from the contribution standpoint, the numbers are really good, especially in the second half. So I think that was kind of a no-brainer uh, for the two parties. We did hear from our buddy Patrick Saunders up there in the press box that Trevor Story will reportedly reject his qualifying offer of $18.4 million from the Colorado Rockies. Not much of a surprise there, but waits till the last minute is get every every possible chance you can get to talk with another team, really get a feel for what your market looks like.
1: Well, he had to get through his birthday. I mean, there's the most important thing, right? You had to get through your birthday and uh, not have that hovering over you. But I I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. I know there are some who swear that he's coming back. Uh, But I, you know, you saw that last homestand I did too. I saw whenever I talked to him in Arizona, you know, he'd already said his goodbyes. He had already said, you know, it's time for me to, to move on whenever he's already looking at what qualifications he wants to see in other teams, uh, you know, in this free agency period, this is a guy who's already uh, checked out of the Rocky mountain region. And and unfortunately he's going to go somewhere. He's going to make an impact, uh, but it would definitely will not be a 20th of Blake, at least in the home dugout.
0: Story is a player that has an entire future he's got a a legacy that he's thinking about and you know even before you reach free agency you start thinking what that might look like whether it's you're preparing yourself to possibly go to the Hall of Fame or if simply you you're preparing yourself to win a championship and so I think with, uh, with with Story that that might be the case where Hey, you know, maybe maybe he won't even make eighteen point four million dollars annually, or maybe he'll have to take slightly less this year. We'll get into that in a segment. But the bottom line is he's got he's got other things he's thinking about rather than just how much money he's going to make and how Absolutely. much next season.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who said he wants to play for a winner, you know, and and it's a guy who looks up to Nolan Arenado, a guy who is still very good friends with Nolan Arenado, a guy who saw Nolan Arenado get back to the postseason. Granted, it was a very short stint for the for the Cardinals, but still. That's what Trevor Story wants. And and we all know that there's a finite amount of time that you can play in Major League Baseball. And to know that you're going to go to a franchise that has a chance at the postseason versus a team like the Rockies, that let's be honest. They're probably still some time away from being that conversation. Uh, he was ready to pounce on that.
0: And I think there's similarities between Arenado and Story in that Arenado was banged up in 2020 and there were some questions about his shoulder and, you know, he – his power numbers were sapped a lot. And yeah, those questions I think exist for story because he was banged up as well. But you look at how the Cardinals pounced and said, Hey, if we can get this once in a generation talent on our roster, we're going to do that. And I think there's a lot of teams out there who feel the same way about story.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, I know we're probably going to talk about this in a minute, but I do think it's going to be one of those things that it's going to take Correa and Seager going somewhere before we really see, at least in my mind, where is going to go and what his market's going to be set at. I think those top guys are going to go first, and then we'll see where Trevor ends up. Here.
0: Don't get ahead of me too much there. We're I know, I know. Teasing you know. for the next segment. <laughs> teasing for the next segment. We've got Noah Syndergaard sense. signing a big one-year deal, and I, I was a little surprised at first that he had gotten the qualifying offer in the first place and thought he's probably going to accept that. I think that's a great pillow contract. I mean, you look at a guy like Kevin Gaussman who accepted the qualifying offer in, after the 2020 season. So kind of in a similar fashion, except Gaussman was healthy. So he, he didn't even have to prove quite as much. And so he rejects the offer signs, uh, what I believe is a one year, $21 million deal with the Los Angeles angels.
1: And if you're looking for your definition of a high risk, high reward contract, this is absolutely it. You know, if Syndergaard can come back and be that guy he was the first four years in the league, uh, and actually, uh, I just wrote about this on Call of the Pen. that, you know, you look at his numbers those first four seasons, how dominant he was, if he can regain that with the Angels, knowing Otani is in the rotation as well, and hopefully, you know, for all of us baseball fans, a healthy Mike Trout is back as well. Ah, uh, you know the Angels could be really fun to watch in what should be kind of a shook up American League West next year.
0: I don't know the numbers on players who've had Tommy John surgery exactly, but I'm curious with how many had the surgery and then ended up coming back even healthier. Because I think yeah. that's for me that's been a knock on Syndergaard is that hey he's great when he's healthy, but he seems to be always on the shelf for one reason or another, and you're never getting a full complete season. Well maybe they were able to clean up enough and and with this surgery now he's gonna have the career that we've all thought that he he's capable of when healthy
1: you know and Syndergaard was a guy who said he would be honored I think was his wording to get the qualifying offer I mean he knows he's only pitched you know a little bit over the last two years I mean a very minuscule amount uh so for the Mets to extend that to him yeah that was that was absolutely uh a little bit of a surprise. But then for him to get that topped by the Angels, uh, that just shows, I think, how desperate that LA is really to find that guy who can be there alongside uh, Otani in the rotation. That they have that confidence in. Conforto got the
0: qualifying offer in a down year. He was another player that some people kind of could go one way or another, but he's reportedly rejected that QO. And I think you're starting to see. That maybe players don't really want to associate themselves with the Mets right now, even though they've got a new owner, and that seems like, hey, getting a brand new owner is going to solve all your problems, until that next owner is putting his foot in his mouth, uh, yeah. if you will. And so the Mets right now are very much in shambles.
1: It's been a tough offseason and season, shall we just say, for the Mets? I mean, you know, the whole thumbs down thing, Javier Baez, uh, you know, and and them getting him for a very short amount of time, and and you know, one thing that we don't talk about a lot with the Mets is that Robinson Cano will be back next year and they're going to have to figure out where to play Cano and how is his second uh, suspension for PEDs? How is that going to be viewed and how long is it going to take him to kind of gain that trust and that favor in the clubhouse too? whoever's going to be the next manager of the Mets? They have a lot of work to do.
0: And hopefully they, they know when their schedule begins because I would imagine you want to hire a manager before, you know, April 1st, but Hey, what do I know?
1: <laughs> shot yeah. in the dark, you know. Well, well uh, you know, if, if Billy Epler is hired as the GM, a lot of people are saying, oh, Brad Osmus is your, your next manager. And and Brad Osmus in the Mets, it just doesn't seem to mesh with it because there's going to be a lot of things going on. Nolan Lindor is there and Cano's coming back. And as you said, you know, Syndergaard, uh, there's going to be a lot of changes there with the Mets. So, will that, they need to find a manager that's going to be able to bring this team together real quickly, especially in that National League East.
0: Stroman's a free agent as well, so you're talking three guys right there that were key contributors last season. Now we've got the Manager of the Year Award was announced on Tuesday. Gabe Kapler, not a surprise that he won. What was a surprise was that it wasn't unanimous. got 28 out of 30 first-place votes, and of the two people that did not vote him for first, only one of them had him on their ballot. Someone actually left Gabe Kapler off their ballot.
1: That's the stunner of the of the off season so far. At least the awards, it's that right there. How could you not give give kudos to Gabe Kapler? And and you know, I know that some people are saying, well, you know, there, there's a past to consider and everything else. But you know what? If you really look at what he did this year and how the Giants took that leap and actually won the NL West, I, I don't see how you could leave Kapler off your your ballot. I just don't.
0: And that first place vote from. That member of the BBWAA did go to Mike Schilt, a guy who was fired, but we knew he was a finalist and was really in that three-four range between him and and Brian Snitker. So uh, that one looks curious. And I, you know, I, I don't want to get too far ahead, but you know, I've I've been thinking about this as far as voting for these kind of awards and you know how that voting is public. Do you think there's a chance that we start to see voters, and maybe it's already happened? voters being too worried about maybe who's on other folks ballot rather than just going with their gut and saying, you know what? No, I, I think it still is Mike Schilt. Or they're going to be almost fearful and say, well, I know most of my peers are going to say Kapler. So I'm
1: going to yeah. say Kapler. And
0: if that's a bad thing, I don't know.
1: I, I don't know either. And I know that there's a lot of peer pressure, no matter how old we get in this life, you know, <laughs> but but I, I was really glad to see Schilt get that third place. I mean, this is a guy that I'm still surprised he's not overseeing the Cardinals. I, I really am. I think he's a guy that's going to land somewhere if he's not a manager next year. Certainly the year after that, he should be back in managing. Uh, but I, I think that you've got to look at whenever you're doing this voting. Yeah, you can't worry about what everybody else is doing, but you also can't worry about the feedback you're going to get and the blast you're gonna get sometimes on Twitter and social media for the decisions that you make. I think if you really have that sound logical, this is why I did this, and you know it's gonna be public, then you know that at the end of the day, that's really all you can do. Kappler going
0: into the season, I went back to look and see some of the DraftKings sportsbook odds. Yeah. He was 13th, 13th best odds. To win in the National League. Only Bud Black and Derek Shelton were wow. lower. And he goes out and again, nearly unanimous in the national in the American League, Kevin Cash becomes the first back-to-back winner of the American League Manager of the Year Award for again another wonderful job. And you you knew it was gonna happen. And it's so it's maybe not as impressive, but still you you gotta give the guy credit for making it work, making creating a cohesive unit. Full uh, in a room full of a bunch of guys that, you know, he's maybe never even heard of going to the season as well.
1: <laughs> no, it, it's true. And, and much like with the rookie of the year balloting, there was so much diversity in the American League versus the National League. And and one thing that I was really pleased and surprised to see is how much love that Scott Service got. I mean, you know, he ended up second in the, in the balloting, you know, and he even got five first place votes. I mean, you know, and again, I don't think any of us at Seattle as that team that could make a run at the postseason this year but this is a guy that I think was well deserving of that and as great as Kevin Cash was if I had had an American League vote I might have been tempted to go with service absolutely
0: it's interesting i just put a piece up on the dnvr.com on tuesday about national league rookie of the year award players that from the Rockies that really didn't garner any votes and and maybe they should have even a a third place vote so they got overlooked and the big takeaway that that I had from from something like that was just this idea that if you go back to like nineteen ninety seven, sabermetrics wasn't really a big thing. So you pretty much just looked at a win loss record for a pitcher, let's say, and that was how you decided how you voted. And if you have a pitcher from Colorado who went seven and nine and had a four point seven ERA, you go, I mean, eh, average, maybe even below average, but. Now we've got metrics that allow us to evaluate that a bit better. And for managers, we don't have something like that exactly. But we do look at uh, the expected win-loss record. And we do look at run differential. And by that metric, Scott Service, I think, ended up getting something like 13 more wins out of his club than he probably should have based on how many runs were surrendered and how many runs he scored.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look at the stats, Seattle should not have been with the record that they had this year. Absolutely. So I I think that that's one thing that would have factored in. I think we all expected Tampa Bay to be there. You know, I I think uh, some of the other votes that were thrown out there, you know, uh, with uh, Boston, uh, I I think some of those other managers made more sense. But you're right, we don't have those big, deep dive into the metrics that we do with a lot of the, the, the pitchers and position players. Uh, So a lot of the manager still comes down to the eye test and just the whole, well, I didn't expect that team to be here. And if that's the case, and I know this is all done before the postseason starts, and that's a real important point, uh, you know, but but the fact that Brian Snicker didn't get enough uh, love, uh, despite leading Atlanta to the World Series title, uh, you know, that's still one of those things that I think people need to understand when this voting actually happens.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. You know, the uh, sneaker was the odds on favorite going into the season. So you say, all right, well, he did what was expected of him, but only barely. So because we're not including the postseason, that factors in Scott's service. He was tied 16 to one odds, just like Gabe Kapler. So he was tied for least likely to win manager of the year award. And though he didn't win, it it gives you some idea that if you go above and beyond the expectations, or at least your team does, then you did a great job managing those people in addition to managing the on-field play as well.
1: I would love to know how many people go to Vegas to bet on the NL Manager of the Year award every year. That would be some interesting numbers just to know the money that switched for that. <laughs>
0: yeah, we're, we're worried about baseball not being cool enough. That's a sexy, that's a sexy gamble
1: right there. <laughs> that's a prop bet right there. You're right. right. I'm you.
0: flying into Vegas for the weekend. Well, now we have DraftKings and some other sources yeah, that allow yeah. us to do that. But there was a time in which – you know, you had to fly into Vegas, uh, you know, to pick Tony La Russa for about four decades in a row to be uh, AL or, or NL manager of the year. And I, we're having fun here, Kev. This is great. And we have fun at the, at the DNVR bar. I, I know you came out with uh, for a, a live show a couple weeks ago, right? That was great. Great time. Uh, food's wonderful. We've got the watch parties going on. Check our events calendar at thednvr.com. You know, you can sign up for your first month for just 50 cents. If you want an annual membership and you already know and love us and your subscription expired, well, guess what? You're going to get a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com. Dropping almost a new shirt every single week. Got a new one for Justin Simmons on the Broncos. Of course, we've got some new ones coming out for Joker all the time. He's always doing something very interesting, uh, to say the least. We've got happy hour every day from 3 to 6 with drink specials, appetizer discounts. Can't go wrong. The DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in New York. And you can't go wrong with Snooze Mattress. They're a new sponsor that we've got. We'd love for you to support them. Check them out at snoozesleep.com. Their Snooze Flip is the most universal mat- mattress on the planet, bar none. It's a mattress that, that's designed to fit everybody. It's the world's first four-in-one mattress, soft, firm, cool, cozy, whatever you need. It's backed by a 122-year warranty. It's made by Colorado. Designed for the world, and now if you use code DNVR when you visit snoozesleep.com, you'll receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off adjustable base when using code DNVR. And if you get the dual split king with adjustable base, you'll actually get a thousand dollars in savings with code DNVR. Now, again, for everyone that was out at the tailgate on Sunday, thank you all for tweeting out all those pictures on Instagram. It was a great time before the game, during the game, maybe not so much against the Eagles but you know if you were there at the tailgate you had all you can drink breck brewery you also had all you can eat sexy pizza what is sexy pizza well it's a local pizzeria it's been here in the denver community for the last 13 years they've got hand tossed deck oven pizza with made from scratch each morning dough choose your own adventure with a wide range of toppings and they even give back to the community as well to various nonprofits right here in colorado their signature philanthropies. You can actually go out there at that page for the donations link to see how Sexy Pizza can support your cause. Check them out at www.sexy.pizza. And you can also stop by any of their four Denver locations in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill with a new location coming soon in Trinidad, Colorado. Well, Kevin, talking about voting and you, my friend, got a vote. You got a vote. You voted on the National League Rookie of the Year, and I know you are—you're a very studious student. And there's an article up right now on on Rock's Pile. and uh, is it on Rockspile or Call to the Pen?
1: Actually, it's on Call to the Pen. Uh, yeah, because it dealt with the the Cincinnati Reds, so I had to write about another team. Therefore, <laughs> we put it on the baseball side. That's over there. That's
0: true. Yeah. yeah, without giving too much away from your article, you know, what what was kind of the thought process of that, or maybe even before that, tell me you know, how honored you were, you know, I, I oh, absolutely. for years you've been, you know, banging on the door, trying to become a member of the baseball writers association of North America it was long overdue finally happened. So just, just what went yeah. through when, when you finally got the call to the pen?
1: Well, well you said honored and, and that's the word, honestly, you know, it, it's been something that's been a, a dream of mine for so long to, to be a part of the BBWAA, and I certainly am, uh, thrilled that I am and then whenever they said that I was going to get to vote for NL Rookie of the Year you know it was something that I I was taken aback a little bit but it was also something I knew at that point okay you know you got to do your homework this isn't something you just fill out because you know you, you oh well it's 10 minutes to the deadline here you know so I, I really made sure to watch and keep up with, you know, as the year went along, who those rookies were that were, were making an impact. And the more I looked at Jonathan India and everything he did for the Reds, uh, you know, and and again, a guy, And I'm going to just pull in a Colorado Colorado angle, if that's okay with you here. Uh, you know, I, I really look at him kind of like a Lucas Gilbert in a lot of ways, that this was a guy nobody expected much from in spring training. This is a guy who impacted the team very much during the season. You know, and India is a guy that I think now, if you look at what he did, especially after the All-Star break, he just got better as the season went along. So for me, it was a no-brainer to pick him as that number one guy. Uh, and and certainly, uh, you know, Rogers from Miami was was easily the best rookie pitcher there was. Uh, and I value pitching uh, being a, being a Colorado guy. So, you know, he came into it and then what Dylan Carlson did to help the Cardinals on that amazing streak and actually get to the postseason. uh, it was a number three for me. And that was actually how they turned out. Uh, ironically it was one, two, three there. So uh honored but it's also something that i don't think any voter should should take lightly uh and and i know this is not as weighty as hall of the hall of fame or anything else but i think if you're going to get this honor it's something that you put in the time and you put in the resources and if anybody says well why did you do this you've actually got an answer for it
0: and i think yeah you did a wonderful job you know you you nailed uh, all three exactly. Uh, you you had it in in the right order, which has got to make you feel really good. Now there's, no, there's one? not a right answer, but <laughs> I guess there is a right answer in a sense, right?
1: It, it it validates that that what you saw, everybody else was seeing as well. And so so there was that whenever it came out last night, uh, you know, my wife and I were watching it together, and and there was just this big smile that came on my face because it was like, you know, obviously in Colorado we didn't see these guys. Oh, you know, they weren't in the NL West. So we really got very little chance to see them in person. Uh, so I was real thankful that a lot of this, the statistical deep dives that I did uh, were the same ones that a lot of the other riders did from around the country as well.
0: And as you said, with India, he had 15 of his 21 homers in the second half, none of which were against the Rockies, right? Reds Reds came through early. Yeah, they went to Cincinnati early as well.
1: Yeah. and And if you look at, you know, really, India wasn't a huge factor. Uh, You know, anytime that the, the Rockies and Reds played, but you look at what he meant to the team and we saw it, dare I say, with, with our friend Connor Joe. And the energy that he brought to that leadoff spot, and that's the same thing that India did with the Reds, and really settled in there and became that guy who kind of set the table for the rest of, rest of the team. And so, you know, I tried to make as many Colorado equations in here as I possibly could, uh, but I, but I love the energy he brought, and I love the fact that this is a guy who's got a real bright future ahead of him too, and he doesn't play in the National League West. I'm real thankful for that.
0: <laughs> and he's got great hair we, we oh
1: absolutely that. my goodness yeah he's if he doesn't good. have a head and shoulders uh, commercial uh soon i'm not sure what's going on then
0: he's gonna be the face and hair of cincinnati <laughs> for sure you know i i think the rookie of the year award voting might be the hardest of all of them now okay you you go and look at at mvp and, and cy young to a degree as well because that's just you know the best pitcher right but there is there are certain intangibles like a player's track record. And you say, ah, eh, you know what? Tie goes to the guy that's been there the longest. Uh, you, you could say that was the case when, when Jimmy Rollins won over, over Matt Holiday, perhaps. And mm-hmm. there are just those things with, eh, it's part of the pedigree. We saw it this summer with Max Scherzer getting the start at the All-Star game when he said, eh, maybe Herman Marquez, he's the local guy there. There's kind of a story there. There were a couple other candidates. And so I think you can kind of get away with that for Cy Young. MVP, manager can be a challenge too. But I think you can make the case. Whereas with rookie, it's it's only that year. And you're thinking, well, is it the best rookie or the best rookie season? Because we saw Wander Franco did not win rookie of the year award. That was a reindeer Rosarena. But whose career would you have? In fact, I said on yesterday's podcast, if you were just starting from scratch with a team, I think you'd probably take Wander Franco over Mike Trout at this point just because of what you're going to get in the future over the duration of their career. And so Franco only had a partial season, and those are some of the difficult challenges that voters are tasked with, like yourself, for Rookie of the Year.
1: Well, and and I think uh, Rosarino was so – it was such a weird thing because he burst on the scene last year. And everybody was expecting him to win it this year because of what he did in the postseason last year. So that was a very weird scenario, I think, in the American League. And I think had he not had that postseason exposure, you're exactly right, Wander Franco might have walked away with it, or Garcia from Texas might have had a much better showing than he did. I thought uh, he was a guy that kind of got underserved in the voting uh, on the American League side of things. But, you know, and, and one other thing that I know always comes up, and, you know, I'd love your take on this as well, is you know how much did the guy's team success factor into the vote as well you know and i know we always talk about that with the adp and everything else but i can tell you i had a real interesting conversation with a baseball friend of mine you know and, and he was like well none of these guys were in the postseason that you're even voting for except for carlson who was there you know for a cup of cup of coffee and then you know the cardinals were out and I'm a guy that I think that how the guy does during the season, regardless of how his team does, I think that that's much more important. Uh, You know, I don't factor in that the Reds weren't in the postseason or the the Marlins never even sniffed, you know, coming close to the postseason this year. That didn't factor into my voting at all, but would love your take on that.
0: And I I could see how it could possibly for some voters, right? It's But I agree with you 100%. It's, It's the best rookie, not most valuable rookie. It's not MVR. Right. Right. If it were, you know, again, shoot. All right. Well, you might have to even toss a a third place vote to a Lucas Gilbert for what he was able to do in the second half. But then again, we know Rockies weren't really a factor in the postseason. But no, I, I think it just has to be who was the best rookie that year over the course of the long haul. So unfortunately, if a guy does get called up late in the season, he would really have to do some amazing things in a shorter period of time in order to you know earn earn that award like you could look at Trevor's story and say wow look at the season this guy could have had if he didn't get hurt in 2016 oh you know,
1: absolutely
0: But you know what he did and so we can only rate him on what he was able to do and so that that's again that's one of the reasons why rookie of the year award voting can be so challenging because i think you can interpret it in a lot of different ways in that capacity
1: yeah i think i think you can and i think that the the interesting thing with having different voters from different teams is that you also get different points of view and and i do love that because You know, the franchises like the Rockies, the Marlins, the the Pirates, you know, those teams that really weren't in it at all this year still have just as much of a vote as the Dodgers, Giants, whatever it might be. And again, we're all looking at the same game, but we're seeing different players at different times, you know, as you mentioned, the Reds and the Rockies and when they intersected this year. So to me, I think that it's important to bring that, you know, dare I say human element into the voting sometimes as well. You know, and and I think that we each look at it with a little different thing. But as long as you do your homework, and again, as long as you can explain it, uh, I think that that's that's great. And if and if you and I have a difference of opinion, as long as we can both say, here's why I felt this way, and it makes sense, so be it.
0: The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for those smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially those of our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. If you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll actually receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has an offer every football fan should jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on either NFL team to score, and when they do, you win $100 in free bets. It's that easy, that rewarding. DraftKings customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. You will combine multiple bets from the same game for an even bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. It's safe, secure, and reliable and best of all, with DraftKings Sportsbook, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. New customers can bet just one dollar on either NFL team to score, and if they do, you win $100 in free bets. That's promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. One team you might want to do some gambling on next season is the Colorado XOs. That's right, Colorado's rugby team is back again, but now they're actually known as the American Raptors. You can read all about that and learn all about that with the weekly DNVR Rugby podcast hosted by our guy, Colton Strickler. He's got a coverage all about Rugby Town USA's newest rugby team. The American Raptors are athletes who've competed at the highest level of their respective sports. They come from the world of football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, soccer, track and field. You name it, they're learning a new sport alongside you. And the best part about the American Raptors games, they're absolutely free. That's right, free. So head over to AmericanRaptors.com and grab your free ticket. For the upcoming season. If you can't make the game, AmericanRaptors.com will be streaming all of them for you from their website. Well, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Trevor Story is likely to reject that qualifying offer. No real surprise there, but we do have to figure out some of the details. Let's see how close and how accurate we can get in predicting his off season. So the first question I'll ask you, Kevin, is does Trevor Story sign? before december 1st and we say that day because on midnight of december 1st so start of december 2nd we could have a work stoppage it seems like that's the way it's going so that's kind of a bit of a deadline to story and his agent get a deal done before then
1: i i think the answer is no and and i think the reason is that what we're seeing in in the offseason so far has been pitching there's been a run on pitching so far but you haven't really seen a lot as far as position player news and i don't think you're going to install until some of those dominoes start falling, but I think that's going to be after a new CBA is in place. What about you?
0: I'm going to say yes. Really? I, I, yeah. Now we've got a long way to go, and and we'll figure out how we get there with our next couple questions. But I think there's a chance. I think the safe bet is no. I think there's just so much uncertainty. But you think back to what happened in '94, '95 with that work stoppage, right? First the strike, then the lockout teams were just scrambling to sign players in free agency. And if you've got Corey Seager and Carlos Correa, Car, Carlos Correa, I'm talking about Scott Boris, of course, but if you've got these big free agents, are you going to get more money now with, uh, I, again, we're now we're only looking at less than two weeks, right, until the deadline, or are you going to get more money afterwards when there could be a scramble? And so I think there's a chance he may want to get something done it's probably not going to happen, but for the sake of this uh, activity, I, I'm going to say yeah. And that that kind of leads to the next thing is, do you think Story goes before those two guys? You kind of touched on it before. Does does Correa and Seeger they have to get signed first in order for Story and his agent to really know what the market is going to be?
1: I my answer is yes to that, and and I think it's not. It is partly as far as the market, the money, all that stuff. But you've also got to look at what holes there will be when those guys sign and what teams that those guys go with. And if Correa leads Houston, that leaves a nice shortstop hole there that I think Trevor Story could fill. But I don't think the Astros are going to chase Trevor Story until they know that they cannot have Carlos Correa back now. Correa has seemingly said, you know, he's as done in Houston as story is in Colorado. So that may be a no brainer, but I still think that they're going to wait until he signs somewhere else to pursue story. And I do, you know, in my heart, I think the Astros are probably the logical landing place for story as well. But what about you?
0: Yeah, I I think he's going to have to wait. I think it makes the most sense. A lot of times you will see a team kind of move quickly in the market. You know, we saw it last year with, with Drew Smiley kind of setting the market for a one year deal. He signed with Atlanta, I think for $11 million, you saw that a little bit with the Andrew Heaney signing with the Dodgers. Uh, And I think the Rockies ultimately did that after the 2017 season where they were really aggressive in spending that $106 million on the quote unquote Super Bowl pen. And maybe had they waited a little bit longer, they might've been able to, to save some money. Now again to the the Victor goes to spoils or again to the the aggressive teams you know you may end up get a better deal overall for example the tigers may say you know what let's just go out and get our guy let's just go out and get Trevor Story because we can get Story Eduardo Rodriguez which they already signed to a, a 5 year deal and we can get yeah John Gray we can get those three guys for the same price as a Seeger or Correa and yeah maybe if we wait We'll save, you know, an average annual salary of four or $5 million per year over five, six years on story. But you know what? We're going to be aggressive. We're going to get our team set now and, you know, try to sell some season tickets during the middle of a work stoppage.
1: Absolutely. And, and I, I've got a good buddy who's a Tigers fan and he is a Correa or a bust thing. And, and I've talked to him about what if they got Seager or Story or whatever. He's like, no, 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 they've got to get Correa or else it's not going to be a good offseason. And I'm like, you've already signed Rodriguez. You've already traded for Tucker Barnhart, which was, by the way, was a steal of a deal from the Reds. Uh, so I I don't see that you've got to get that number one shortstop, but yet I know a lot of teams that they're they're lusting after Correa, and then I think everything else falls into place.
0: Yeah, and with the Tigers too, they're even talking about signing uh, or extending Tucker Barnhart too. So their window is is opening right now mm-hmm. for contention. Definitely. So they're definitely a, a team to keep an eye out on. Does Story sign a one year deal now before the offseason started? I thought there was a chance of that. Because again, it's, it's interesting how I think we as the media may view things at different times or depending on what information you have, you go, hey, man, he had a really down year. Hey, he's a little bit banged up and wasn't his normal self. And hey, take a look at all these other free agents, shortstops that had a really darn good year. You know what? Uh, people may really want a story to prove himself away from Coors Field. So he's only going to get a one-year deal. Maybe that's why he should sign the qualifying offer. But now here we are in the free agent season and you hear about teams lusting after one of the big shortstops and you start to hear some of the other pundits, you know, talking about four or five, six year deals for these players. And so I think this one is, is pretty obvious, right? Story gets more than a one-year deal.
1: I think so, too. I think the market would absolutely have to collapse on him for it to be a one-year deal, and and I just don't see that happening. You know, I think if you think back to what Trevor said at the end of the season and how important it was for him to get that 2020 milestone this year, the 20 homers and 20 stolen bases, yes, that was a personal thing for him, but that's also something that shows that even in a down season, if I can put up a 2020, that means something, and I think that that was really important for him heading into the possibility of a single-year contract or some multi-year contract.
0: Do you see a scenario in which there's a work stoppage? And again, all of this would have to play out exactly like this, but is there a scenario where there's a work stoppage where maybe he does sign only a one-year deal because there's like a a free agent frenzy of, hey, we're reporting to spring training in two weeks, sign everybody you can. And his agents say, let's just sign the one-year deal now. Let's take a breather, go back out on the market, and then we'll sign a four or five year pact.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that it's possible. Uh, I, uh, a friend of mine always said it's not impossible, but it's improbable, you know. And I think that that's the kind of the scenario that you're looking at there. I think that I, I do think that as soon as the CBA is ratified and teams can start uh, signing, I think you're going to see this whole class of shortstops just fall like dominoes uh, again my two cents worth but i i think that it would be a rare rare exception that story is a one year and then back on the market the following season
0: 200 million dollar contract for trevor story does that end up happening for him out on the market Whew.
1: I I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think we hit 200 million. I think that with what Seager and Correa are going to get that he still falls a little bit below that, you know, and depending on who you look at and the ratings and all this stuff, you know, there's still some question about where Trevor falls in there. So I think, I think it's definitely below 200 million, but uh, I think he could be knocking on the door of that.
0: Yeah. Jim Bowden of the athletic for Corey Seager said 10 years $320 $320 million, MLB trade rumors, 10 years, $305 million. For Carlos Correa, Jim Bowden said 10 years, $300 million. MLB trade rumors, 10 years, three twenty. So they've kind of flipped on that, but both of them say a decade somewhere for $300 million, but only Jim Bowden had Trevor Story at $200 million. He's going to sign somewhere. He didn't predict the team. He's predicting the contract. Seven years, $204 million. Whereas MLB trade rumors, a lot more reserved, six year, six years, 126. Yeah, I tend to think, you know, if Story had a better year, $200 million contract, yes, I think that yep. would have been in the cards. I agree.
1: I agree with you. I think if you look at what he could have done had the, had the injury not occurred and some of the questions that there still are about arm strength and everything else, and I think it could have approached that. But I think there's still some folks, as you mentioned earlier, you know, Coors Field is always going to be a question mark. No matter how DJ can disprove it, no matter how much Nolan can disprove it, people are going to say, well, the guy hit at Coors Field, therefore. And and I think that that is still going to be a little bit of a cloud over Trevor heading into the offseason.
0: If we're talking about contracts and we're talking about money, you have to talk about opt-outs. Is there a chance that there could be an opt-out built in there? Or is Trevor the kind of guy where, look, and may, maybe it depends on what team he signs with, right? Look, this is where I signed with. I... I just want to be here for six, seven years, relax, get a home, or do I want to re-enter the free agent market in two years and then try to leverage, you know, an even bigger deal, kind of like Nick Castellanos just did.
1: I I think you just hit it on the head. It depends on what team. But I think he also, you know, again, don't discount the friendship with Nolan Arenado and everything he's learned from Nolan and those opt-outs that Nolan even had in his contract as well. I don't think that you can uh, say that that's not worth Trevor looking into. It would not surprise me at all if there's some kind of opt-out after the second season.
0: All right, so I think we know where we stand as far as where uh, Story is in the ranks of the shortstop, behind Correa, behind – Seager. What about Marcus Simeon and Javier Baez? Where is he going to go as far as the final contract, either in total dollars or average annual value?
1: So my take, I would put him behind Simeon, but ahead of Baez. And and I think that what Simeon did this year and the fact that he could play second and short, I think that a lot of teams are going to love that possibility. So I I think Story's fourth probably in the class. And as much as I love Trevor and everything he did for the Rockies, I also think that you've got to look from a national perspective. And the way that Simeon did what he did in Toronto last year, and really, you know, with Vlad and and Bichette and everybody else up there, almost got them in the playoffs and could play both positions, I still think that that's going to weigh a lot on the minds of some uh, general managers out there. I want
0: to say that Story might end up making a little bit more money or, or maybe even coming close to the same, but it'll be for more years. But I, I, I can't say that. I, I, think, I think you've nailed it. Uh, it's going to be Simeon as, as the third biggest short contact, then Story, and then, of course, uh, Javi Baez. Do you think Baez is a guy, because he's the one that has the weirdest market, yeah. where he had a real down year, but also you look at his numbers and you say, I oh, kind of struck out like he normally does and walked at the same rate. Does someone go after him and maybe give him a $100 million deal?
1: I think for Baez, it's going to have to be the right team. And I think that the whole thumbs down thing made an impact last year. And I think a lot of folks have seen how he's very, uh, you know, can be very battle-minded, uh, you know, and going after the pitchers and everything else, and the things that we saw between the Cubs and the Reds before he was traded. So I, I think that it's going to be a certain team that is going to match Baez's mindset. Uh, but I do think that a lot of folks don't have a very uh, – Short memory. Whenever it comes to things like that, and they'll go, was that a? What would that mean if we brought him in, and how would our fan base react?
0: The final thing I wanted to get to was something we've pretty much touched on. What team will he end up with? I'll make it even easier, Kevin. Do you think he ends up in the AL West? (laughs) Yes, (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs> there you go. If I were a betting man, and going go to DraftKings right now. Yes. I I I do. I uh, my my bet is that Houston is is far and away the number one place that he ends up. I think Correa leaves. I think they 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 put story in there and the the Astros still stay very very strong. How about you?
0: Yeah, you know Rangers would still have to be tops. It just it makes too much sense. But we know that that isn't how it always ends up playing out. Uh, I don't think the angels will be playing, you know, uh, in on that, but since they already have, you know, a a big contract over at third base with Anthony Rendon, but, you know, the angels need to upgrade at shortstop Uh, Jose Iglesias free agent. He's gone. So they need to plug that hole and the Seattle Mariners, you know, they've got a lot of money to spend. I don't think they want to displace JP Crawford, who's very good defensively. Uh, But you know, those, those could be teams that are at least, you know, inquiring about Trevor story. And I, I think, what could be really interesting to watch. And, you know, this is really always the case with the Rockies where I think they are always looking to kind of pick up the scraps of what's left behind. And, look, frankly, that's just the, the boat that they're in with being a smaller market club. That's that's just how it goes. And, you know, we talked about the Super Bowl pen, and that was them being aggressive, and that didn't work out. So that's an okay spot to be in. I'm wondering if, depending on where one of these shortstops – ends up, whether it's Story or, or one of the other ones, if the Rockies are able to work out a deal with that club, because there's already somebody there, whether it's Paul DeYoung in St. Louis or J.P. Crawford in Seattle, like maybe, hey, look, we'll uh, we'll give you the guy that Story's replacing or, and whatnot, and, and the Rockies can uh, do some shrewd business that
1: way. It's possible. Absolutely. And, and I go back to what Trevor kept saying about how important geography was to him, you know, the winning culture, geography. And, and I think that right there is going to just really narrow down the focus. And you, and you hit it on the head. Texas is still a spot, obviously, with him being a, a Dallas suburb, uh, you know, guy. I think that makes the most sense. It's just a matter of does Trevor see the Rangers as a team that can win it all quickly? that could rebuild quickly and be a winner. And I know he sees that in Houston.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I think Chris Young, the GM of the Rangers, is, you know, is going to impress and wow story, not with the contract, not with the, the number that's on the check. It's going to be, and here's what we're doing, and here's how we're going to now get back into the hunt and try to go to back-to-back World Series like we did a decade earlier.
1: Mm-hmm. And if he can do that and and sell, you know, the ballpark, fan base, being excited, all that stuff, I think Texas has to make some other kind of splash this off season if they were to get story. If I think that they have to say, "We're also doing this," just as a sign of things to come. Uh, but but I don't think Houston needs to do that. I think they can just say, "Look at our track record. Look at you know, we've got Dusty in the dugout. We're ready to make another run. We just need you there with us." It's, a, it's an easier sell, I think, than, than what Texas is.
0: It's easy to say that you're going to do that to continue to keep contending. It's a little bit harder to follow through on. Absolutely.
1: So. Absolutely. And and again, the AL West is going to look different next year. You know, I, I think Seattle is going to be another good team next year. I think that they're making, uh, they will make some solid moves. We saw, as we talked about Syndergaard going to the Angels. So, yeah, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting division for sure.
0: Well, Kevin, thanks for joining us. You can read Kevin's article. I'm going to have a link in the podcast description for this, all about from Call to the Pen over on Fansided about your vote and how you came to nailing it exactly right. Fantastic. Even if you didn't, we'd still love you, Kevin. It's all right.
1: <laughs> that's all I asked, man. It was just a little love. And, and I appreciate that. And always good to hang out with you, my friend, even if it's across the miles here.
0: Fantastic. Well, you can follow him and uh, his partner in crime, Noah Yinling, at rocks pile fs on twitter check out their site they got some really good articles you can follow me at patrick d lyons on twitter as well as our main account at dnvr underscore rockies for kevin henry i'm patrick lyons thank you for listening to the dnvr rockies podcast the folks at green Mountain dental group deserve to take some credit for those smiling colorado sports fans around town especially Those of our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. If you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll actually receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver.